we are in week one of our series, Guardrails. Week one. And what is a guardrail? A guardrail is a, is a system that you find on a road that, that protects us from ongoing traffic. It protects us from, um, from going off the edge of some kind. And, and in fact, uh, we have different names for it. We call them medium barriers. We call them um, road barriers, whatever you call them. But the definition of a guardrail is this. It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. A system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And this is a shot here in New Zealand. And, and, and especially when, when we're driving through um, gorges or windy roads that we have in this country. Uh, you know, I'm so glad we have guardrails because I'll be a bit nervous if I'm driving along this road and we don't have a guardrail. And when you see a guardrail, it's quite often it's in the safety zone. It's not right on the edge but it's within like a few feet away from the danger zone. And that's the design of a guardrail. And it's also designed to, to, to cause minimal damage to the vehicle that you're traveling in if you bump right up next to it, as we have in the next photo here. And this is what could happen. And you see this car bumping right into the guardrail. But notice where the guardrail begins. It doesn't, it's not right on the edge of disaster but it's a few feet away from the edge. And, and it's designed like that, so you may have minimal damage to your car, but if you didn't have a guardrail, you will have extensive damage, and worst case scenario, you could even lose your life. So guardrails are very important on our roads. And so why are we talking about guardrails? Because not only do we need guardrails on our roads, we need it in our own personal life as well. Think about your greatest regret. Your greatest regret is because you didn't have some kind of guardrail in your life financially. You didn't have some kind of guardrail in your life um, relationally, or maybe in your education, the way you studied. You didn't have these kind of guardrails. Didn't, you didn't have guardrails in your marriage. Think about your greatest regret, which means the good news is this. If you put guardrails in your life today, you would avoid future regrets. Isn't that good? Now, one of the problems we have is that, uh, one of the problems we have is that culture doesn't like guardrails. Culture doesn't like guardrails. They're, they're happy with just painted lines on the road because culture doesn't like us telling them what to do, right? Think about it. One of the reasons why you didn't want to come to church in the first place is because you don't want anybody telling you how you live and, and you don't want to lose your perceived freedom, right? That's what we kind of think. I don't want to go to church. They take away my freedom. Freedom, right? But when you come to church, you realize, actually, I didn't have freedom when I was out there. I was slave to some other things. In fact, in church and under God, then I'm set free. So guardrails are really important. So for culture, we'll, we'll, we'll point and make fun of you if you've got guardrails. So if you are going to put guardrails in your life, let me tell you, people around you won't understand it. In fact, they'll kind of ridicule for your little guardrails you have. Think about some of the guardrails that culture have. You know, culture will say, drink responsibly, right? Drink responsibly. Now, what does that even mean, really? Because I don't know about you, but the more you drink, the more intoxicated you become. And the, the, the responsible line kind of becomes blurred after a while. In fact, I'm not even sure if responsible drinkers know they're becoming irresponsible anymore. The more you drink, right? I'm not saying drink responsibly is bad advice. All I'm saying is it's not a guardrail. All I'm saying is just a painted line on the road. That's all it is. Another thing culture would say will be like, we'll say to young people, have sex when you're ready, right? That's what, that's what culture would say to young people. And I kind of think that that kind of rule was kind of brought up or kind of created by women. 
Because guys will never have um, came up with that idea. Because if you said that to a young teenager, if you said to him, have sex when you're ready, you know what the young teen- teenager boy would say? He'll say, I was born ready. I was born ready. Have sex when you're ready? I was born ready. I'm locked and loaded. I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm dressed for the party. I'm ready to go. Anyway, let's keep moving. So I'm, what I'm saying is, that's not a guardrail. That's not a guardrail. That's just painted lines on the road, right? Right? But thing is, if, if, you have, if you have guardrails in your life, say like if you had a guardrail, say, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. Culture will ridicule you for your, your, these guardrails. That, that's being silly, really? You're going to wait till you're married? But if all of a sudden you, you become a young mum pregnant, all of a sudden culture will point and look at you. Young mum, look at that. Look, you're 16 with a baby. Culture will just ridicule you, even though you say, well, if, but if you had these guardrails in your life, they'll ridicule you as well. Or maybe if you've got a, if you, if you have a guardrail like, oh, you know what, I'm going to drink, but I'm not going to get drunk, kind of guardrail, culture will ridicule you. Culture, in fact, if, um, and if you, can, if you fall off the edge well, uh, in this whole binge culture society we have in New Zealand, culture will then say, well, look at you, you've got a drinking problem. They're quick to ridicule you. So be careful with your guardrails. Culture won't like it when you have it. But if you don't have it, they'll ridicule again when you fall off the edge. So here in our church, in our leadership, we have a rule that, 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 um, if you, that you don't drive alone or have lunch or coffee with somebody of the opposite sex. However, if you find yourself in that position where you, are, where you have to be alone with somebody of the opposite sex or you're having coffee with somebody of the, of the opposite sex, to be totally transparent with your spouse, to let them know why and, and how and where and what had, what had happened. But culture would say, that's just being childish. Really? You are an adult. You are a professional. Come on, in your workplace, you are going to have lunch with an attractive woman. You are going to be flirted with by attractive women. Now, ladies, you're all happy with that, right? You're happy for your your husband to to go on long journeys alone with with an attractive work colleague. You're happy for your husband to have coffee uh, alone with an attractive woman, right? Said no woman ever. Culture will ridicule you for having that rule. But yet, if you fall off the edge morally, they will, they will, they will mock you for that. Look at that. You lost self-control. You are a home wrecker. Look at you. You, you wrecked that home. That's, look at you. But yet, it ridiculed for you having a guardrail. So be careful when you set up a guardrail. Guardrails direct you and they protect you. That's the purpose of a guardrail. They direct you and they protect you. Culture will ridicule you if you have guardrails in your life. Equally, they'll, 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 they'll ridicule you if you fall off the edge. But guardrails direct us and they protect us. Amen? Amen. Now, the reason why we're talking about guardrails is that it's, it's an idea that's been around for a long, long, long time. In fact, it's been in the Bible for a long, long, long time. And the Bible talks about setting up standards and, and boundaries in your life. And this is what the Bible, Bible, Bible talks about. But it's, it's there to, to direct us and to protect us. That's why the Bible is so important for us today. It's there to, to direct us and protect us. So I really want us to, to take us to the book of Ephesians, one of the letters that the apostle Paul wrote. And he wrote this letter to the to Christians in the ancient city of Ephesus. And he started to tell them how, uh, how they should live and what they should keep away from and what they should do and how they should live. And then he began to tell them how they should do it. And he began to tell them, when you begin to live like this, 
Um, this will, if you live like this, it will help you avoid those ditches that you'll fall into um, in, in relationally, or you fall into ditches financially, or in your friendship, and all things like that. So if, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start from, from verse 15. And it says this, Be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. Now, the, the Greek word for the, for the word live, the, the literal translation for the live is actually walk. So it's really be very careful then how you walk, right? And some of your translations will have that. Be very careful then how you walk. Now, the idea that Paul is trying to paint here is how many of us have, have walked through a paddock after some cows have just been through, right? You walk through. What are you looking for when you're walking through a paddock? Right, especially when you haven't got gumboots on or something like that. What are you looking for? You're walking carefully through it, and you're looking for what? Poo. You're looking for poo. That's what you're looking for. Especially when you bought some brand new shoes, you didn't expect to walk through this paddock, and now you're walking through this paddock, you're very careful as you walk. And this is the idea Paul is saying. He said, be very careful then how you walk. Because if you're not careful, you're going to end up in poo. That's the idea Paul is painting out. I'm, I'm so glad I could paint that for you this morning. Be very careful then how you should walk and how you should live, not as unwise, but as wise. See, wisdom is far better than just knowing what is right and wrong. Wisdom is far better than just knowing what, what is right and wrong. In fact, sometimes we don't even know what's right or we don't even know what's wrong. We don't understand which is, uh, which is the difference. But when we bring wisdom into it, all of a sudden clarity comes. Clarity comes when you bring wisdom. In fact, the better question is, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise, not, not what is the right thing for me to do, but what is the wise thing for me to do? Like right now, you know, sh uh, uh, should I get another loan? Should I get another credit card? What's the, what, what's the right thing for me to do? Maybe if I got, if I got another credit card, I'd be able to make these kind of payments. What's the right thing for me to do? But if you ask the question, what is the wise thing for me to do? All of a sudden, clarity comes. If I'm going to eat chocolate, is eating chocolate the right thing for me to do? Depending how I'm feeling. I'm going to have different kind of answers, and most times they'll be, yes, yes, it is the right thing for me to do. But when I ask that question, what is the wise thing for me to do, for me to do? eating chocolate? And the wisdom will tell me a moment on my lips is a lifetime on my hips. <laughs> right? A moment on my lips is a lifetime on my hips, and I've got hips and hips and hips of issues. So the right answer is, what is the wise thing for me to do? Not what is the right thing for me to do. So, so that's what the Bible says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. See, time is your most valuable commodity. It is, in fact, the reason why it's your most valuable commodity is because we don't know how much we actually have. How much time do we actually have? So Paul is saying this, be very, very, very careful what you do with your time. Because you do not know how much time you have. Be very careful with your time. How many of us wish that we can go back and reuse some of our time, right? Man, I wish I could have studied more in that class. Or maybe I, I wish I could go back to the beginning of our marriage and, and I can be, begin to put some, some principles in place, to put some guardrails in place. You know, how many of us wish we can go back and reuse our time? Because time... Time is our most valuable commodity. Be very careful. Be wise how we use our time. Make every, take every opportunity because, our, because the time is short. Be very, very careful then how you live, 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why, Paul? Why, Apostle Paul? And he says, because the days are evil. See, we are living in dangerous times. We are. And we've got to pay attention to what's going on around us. Let us not be fooled by, oh, you know what, I'm just staying in my lane, I'm, I'm okay. But you've got to be very careful what's going on around you. What's the point of defensive driving course? The point of a defensive driving course is not for you to be aware of what you do, not just focusing on what you do, but also what everybody else is doing around you. Because when you're driving, you don't know what's going to happen. This car's going to come in front of you. Someone's going to walk across the road. This parked car is no longer parked. So defensive driving teaches you to be aware of what's going around you. And this is the point that Paul is making right here. Be aware of what's going around. Let us not be careless. Everything connects. What you do here today is going to affect you tomorrow. If you're in an environment that's dangerous, you're going to end up in a place that you do not want to be. So Paul is saying, be very careful then. Make the, make the opportunity of everything that happens around you because the days are evil. Then he goes on, therefore, verse 17, therefore, when you hear therefore, it's like, oh, let's, take, let's pay attention to what's going to happen next. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, he's saying this, I want you to stop deceiving yourself. I want you to stop playing games. I want you to face up to what God's will is for you right now. Let me ask you this question. What you are doing right now, do you know it is God's will for you? You know, I do not need to tell you whether it is or not because you already know. You already know if this is God's will for you. Paul said, come on, stop deceiving yourself. You know. You know the answer. You know what you're doing is not right. Come on, when are you going to face up to what God's will is for your life? You already know what's on the other side of the guardrail financially. You already know what's on the other side of the guardrail morally, in your marriage, in your education, even in your profession. So stop deceiving yourself and take responsibility for your action. So many of us, many of us, we like to dance on the edge of disaster. We like to get there as close as we can. Some of us live a life like, how close to sin can I get without actually sinning? How close can I get to that line? Where exactly is that line? We kind of like set up our guardrails right on the edge. And when we bump into it, we end up here, way over the edge of disaster. And, we've, and we're falling and we can't get back up. We're like, help me, I've fallen, I can't get back up. So Paul's saying, come on, wake up. Don't be foolish. But understand the Lord's will. Then verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, you got to understand something. But in ancient times, in ancient times, uh, wine was safer than water. Wine was safer, safer than water because uh, the way they used to store their water, and when it sits too long, you know that when you drink it, you get sick. In fact, you get really sick. So wine will make you drunk. Water will make you dead. That's kind of what it was in back those days. So wine water was kind of the staple of that day. So everybody drank alcohol. I know, it's shocking, especially being raised in, in Christian circles saying, oh, we cannot drink alcohol. Well, in those days they did because their life was at stake if they didn't. So when Jesus turned water into wine as his first miracle, he was turning something that caused death and bringing life out of it. Wow. Be very careful then. 
how we should live. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, in fact, let's take out the words on wine. So it kind of sounds like this. Do not get drunk, which leads to, which leads, what Paul is saying, saying here is that one thing leads to another thing. Do not get drunk for leads to. One thing will lead to another thing. And that's the point of a guardrail. The point of a guardrail is to stop you from, you from being led to another thing that could lead to disaster. That's the point of the guardrail, to stop you from being led to another thing that could affect you. Do not get drunk, which leads to. Now, I want you to fill in the blank. I don't want you to look at what the Bible says, but you fill in the blank. Do not get drunk, which leads to, what does it mean to you? Think about that. Does anybody come to mind? Maybe you come to mind. For lots of people, their life will be different. Maybe if their dad or even their mum remains sober, your life will be different if they, if they remain sober. For many people, their life will, will, will be different if their, their friend remains sober. For many of us here, many, we would still have friends here if they remain sober. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on what? That leads to what? See, the, the, my message this morning is not on alcohol, okay? It's about guardrails. It's guardrails. But I do want to say this. If somebody, or in fact, more than one person has said to you, you drink too much, you drink too much. The problem with getting drunk in context to this message, well, in context to this passage, the problem with getting drunk, it leads to, it leads to something that you don't want to be in or end up. See, for Paul, getting drunk is the guardrail. Getting drunk is the guardrail. For some of you, getting drunk is the goal. It's the goal, especially in our binge culture society. New Zealand has a binge drinking culture, which means you drink until you're drunk. Or we have this other thing, last man standing. And culture will say, man, you, you are the man if you're the last man standing. You are the man. Unfortunately, a lot of young people they keep going and going, and they end up in a box. I know that because I've got friends who are in a box. That today, that they, if they had this guardrail, if we had this guardrail growing up, maybe he could be here today with us raising up a family. You know, a friend that drunk and drunk until he died. You know what my group of friends did to honor his death? They just had another drink up. You know, sometimes this, we, we kind of laugh, oh, drink, that's our goal. It's funny right up to the point the woman gets punched. That's not funny anymore. It's funny right up until the time someone veers across the road into another car. That's not funny anymore. It's funny right up until the point you as a student, all your friends are drinking, so you start drinking. They quit, but you can't quit. 
And now you're on a pathway that's going to lead you to disaster. That's not funny anymore. It has the potential to wreck and ruin lives. And when we look back, we say, well, if only I had this guardrail. In light of my hopes and dreams, in light of my family history, in light of all that's been going on around me, come on, what guardrails do we need to put in our lives today? Culture will mock you. If you, if you turn up somewhere and say, look, I drink, but I don't drink to get drunk, culture will mock you. What? You drink, you don't get drunk? They'll mock you. But as soon as you, your drinking turns into a drinking problem, culture will be quick to say, you have a drinking problem. You are an alcoholic. That will point the finger at you. Come on. Come on. Guardrails direct us and they protect us. Paul fills in the the blank and he, and he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. When is the last time you used the word debauchery? We don't use the word debauchery these days. Debauchery means, uh, it was really meant about sexual indulgence when we, when we lack self-control within that. But it actually means more than that. It means when we lack or we lose self-control in anything. If anything we do, we've lost control. I've lost control because I've always got to have Chocolate. I'm going into debauchery in my chocolate right now. But when you lose control, when you lose control, one thing will lead to another thing. Guardrails protect you. They direct you and they protect you. They safeguard you. Guardrails safeguard you, not just you, but your wife, your husband, your kids. They safeguard you, the people around you. They safeguard you. They direct us and they protect us. And then the possible, he kind of changes direction. He goes, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The New Testament teaches us that when you put your faith in Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives with inside of you. And what Paul is saying is, is don't give control to something else or anyone else, but give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. Give yourself over to the nudging, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because when you become a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and lives with inside your consciousness. Isn't it true that when we become Christians, when we follow Jesus, then all of a sudden, when things you begin to do, the Holy Spirit begins to nudge you. Your whole thinking changing, your whole view of living changes because the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. She says, do not get drunk on, on wine which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit of God. See, this is the purpose and goal of this series. Of this series. It's not just to, to be better people, but to be surrendered people. God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender to a God that my life is holy and pleasing to my heavenly Father. Thank you, God, that you sent your Son, Jesus, to, to pay for my sins, to pay for your sins, so that I can live a life that is free. See, that's the point of guardrails. It protects you, safeguards you, directs you. Thank you, Jesus. Here's a question. Where do you start? Where do you need to start?
What is it that you need to face up to? What is it for you? Where are you flirting with disaster? Come on, that's a word for someone in this room. You're just on that edge, on that edge. There's no guardrail, because guardrail should be here. But you're just on that edge. Where are you driving too close to the edge? You know, for the next few weeks as we begin to dive into this series, may you be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. May you be open to allowing the Holy Spirit to put guardrails in your life. Not because the Holy Spirit wants to confine you, but it wants to set you free. Because guardrails direct us and they protect us.